Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode 32. Today, Bitcoins are trading at $478 each. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me as I podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee, with my trusty sidekick, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. I'm just your average Bitcoin enthusiast who loves talking about Bit. Max, don't interrupt. What? Okay. We're just your average Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking about Bitcoin and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Thanks for listening, and I hope, uh, we hope, you enjoy the show. On today's show, I travel to the Big Apple, New York, New York, the city so nice they named it twice. There I have a lively conversation with my very favorite journalist, Paul Vigna. Paul writes the popular BitBeat and MoneyBeat columns for the Wall Street Journal each week and has his finger on the pulse of everything Wall Street and everything Bitcoin Street. I also meet up for a second interview with Stephen McCaskill of Amagi Metals. Stephen lays it on the line when it comes to defining true value. He also tells us what he thinks about the future of the U.S. dollar and, more importantly, what he thinks about the future of precious metals and Bitcoin. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we go to the Big Apple, the city so nice they named it twice, New York City, for our third interview, I believe, with Paul Vigna of the Wall Street Journal. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, John, how are you doing? Yes, this is number three. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, man, the Big Apple, I was just thinking before I came in, what a different world we live in. You know, you're there in the office and maybe at some point today, something might happen like you might spill a cup of coffee and you have to clean it up. Well, after, <laughs> after our interview, I've got to go outside and I've got to clean up a dead possum that Max killed in the backyard. So <laughs> oh, oh. it's just a very different world. Yeah. Well, you know what? I live out in the burbs and kind of on the edge of getting into the woods and the country. Country, so I get some of that too. I haven't had to do a dead possum, but <laughs> I know what you're going through. <laughs> but yeah, it's different here in the city, obviously. You know, it's clearly hugely urban. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, New York City got its first Bitcoin ATM. What was it, a week or two ago? Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. We got a Lamassu machine at a high-end British retail type, you know, it's like importing British goods. Oh, wow. So, yeah, New York finally got a Bitcoin ATM, and you would think that would have come earlier, but I think we were late to the game on that one. A lot of other people have them. You know, they have them in Europe and Asia and Africa all over the country. And you would have thought New York City would have been quick, but we're not. I would have thought there would have been one right down there. What is it, near Wall Street where the Bitcoin Center is? Yeah, you would have thought that. But for some reason, there hasn't been. But now there is. There's one. So Manhattan has a Bitcoin machine. We're moving up in the world. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. So BitBeat's going well and MoneyBeat's going well, right? Yeah, both are doing really well. BitBeat has become, you know, it's kind of become a staple for us. And it's been really good in terms of, you know, I mean, we were writing Bitcoin stories before that. Right. Uh, myself and Mike Casey, but it's been really good in kind of giving us something that I guess that people can kind of attach to us and identify with us. Are you finding a lot less enthusiasm when the Bitcoin price is down? Like if we start going back up to a thousand, isn't the enthusiasm going to build up again? It really depends on who you talk to. I mean, mm -hmm. people who have invested in Bitcoin, if the price goes up to a thousand, obviously they're all jazzed up. They're excited. They're great. Right. Uh, if the price starts plunging, you kind of get a different group of people excited, which I guess are more sort of the pessimists and the doubters. And, you know, those people start getting excited. They start coming out of the woodwork. You know? <laughs> right. Oh, look at the price. See the price going down. We told you. We told you. <laughs> so no matter where the price is, you can find somebody for some reason who is excited about it. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. that. That is hilarious. Yeah, there's uh, here on the uh, local listserv that we have for East Nashville, Lachlan Springs, and all of East Nashville, there's one guy there. He's my nemesis, and he's <laughs> any, anytime anything bad happens, you know, the 51% attack happened, and he writes immediately the next day, another nail in the coffin of Bitcoin. Right, yeah. So, you, you know, you have that entire cohort out there. They're just waiting. They're waiting to pounce. They're waiting to see it, you know. Even if it's volatile, even if it jumps up and down, they'll say the same, oh, see, it can't trust it, volatile, too volatile, that's it. That's Which, so you know, look, it's not the most unreasonable argument in the world. I mean, the price is really volatile. 
It is. It really is. And I can't help but find myself, you know, I own a little Bitcoin, not a lot, but I can't help but be in a little bit of a better mood when the price of Bitcoin is going up. When it's going down, it definitely affects my mood. Yeah, of course. In the same way you feel better when you have a bunch of money in your pocket versus no money in your pocket. It's the same feeling. And also because you're invested in it. I mean, not just financially invested in it, John, but obviously you're emotionally invested in it yeah. and the podcast. So I, I can totally understand that. I can completely understand that. Have you invested at all in Bitcoin No, yourself? I have not. You know, it's funny. I have not. I did open up a wallet on Coinbase just to kind of see. I did one on Coinbase and one on blockchain. They were both, you know, for nominal amounts, right. you know, a buck, a buck 50. And uh, the Coinbase one, I stupidly, I couldn't even believe I did this once it was over. But uh, I immediately fell for a phishing scam and they took it. Like my, my, my buck 50, you know. Um, so, I mean, I do have a wallet, but it has nothing in it. And it's interesting because on, I guess it was somebody wrote this and John Matonis was involved in this. And there was a whole little thing online going back and forth about whether or not journalists should be invested in Bitcoin if you're going to write about it. Mm -hmm. And it turned into a little bit of a Twitter thing and a couple of blogs were writing about it. We didn't write about it, but I was involved in Twitter. We were going back and forth, myself and a bunch of other people, uh, you know, Cashmere Hill. And I think some of the guys from, I don't know if it was Coindesk or I forget which one of the, the Bitcoin magazines offhand. Mm -hmm. And it was a big argument about whether or not journalists should be. Is it a conflict of interest? Is it a problem? Because here, if you are on a beat, say you cover Apple, Mm -hmm. Well, you can't be trading Apple stock. Right. I mean, yours can't be. It's a total conflict of interest. It totally compromises your objectivity, and you can't do it. Right. Should the same argument apply to Bitcoin? Because it's not a stock, it's a currency. So, you know, I hold dollars. Should that preclude me from writing about the dollar? Of course not. Right. Does exactly. the same argument go for Bitcoins? I don't know if it does. I think it should be the same as the dollar. You know, of course, you're not barred from collecting dollars right. because you're writing about it. I think right. the same thing should hold for Bitcoin. And, you know, the uh, email address that you and I use to communicate back and forth, is that the same email address that you've used for your Coinbase account? No, no, I used a Gmail. You and I email back and forth on my Wall Street Journal account. Oh, okay, okay. Well, you know what? If you can find out for sure which one you have associated with your Coinbase account, if your editors wouldn't mind, I'll send you a little bit of Bitcoin. Oh, no, don't do that. People, that's funny, too. Yeah, I understand. That's like how you spread the word. It's almost like spreading the word, but you're spreading Bitcoin. People try that for us pretty often. We always reject it. I personally feel like I should not hold any if I'm going to be writing about it, to be objective about it. That's my personal feeling. It makes sense. Is it right or is it wrong? I don't think there's a right or wrong about it. It's just how I feel about it. From a professional point of view, I don't think it's the best thing for me. And actually, just from a personal point of view, like I'm a very conservative investor, and I don't think Bitcoin is stable enough for me to invest in. Yeah. I don't have investable money to play around with. You know, it's a very speculative thing. I don't have that kind of money. So I just, I can't, you know, from a personal point of view, I can't do it either. Well, I don't blame you. And that's the warning they put out there for people who are interested in investing in Bitcoin. They always say, well, don't invest more than you can comfortably lose. You know, certainly, right. certainly don't take out a second mortgage or third mortgage on the right. house. Exactly. Or anything silly, as some people have done, you know. Yeah, um, that's that's crazy. So speaking of crazy, what's going on with <laughs> No, I shouldn't say that. But so what's going on with this whole Losky thing? Do you ever meet Losky? You guys go to the same cafe together? Yeah, yeah, that's what we all do here up in the city, John. <laughs> we all hang out together. Uh, I met him briefly at the January hearings, and I actually did talk to him last week. Oh, wow. But that's the extent of my interaction with him. I talked to his flack on a fair amount of the time. It's really interesting with the Losky thing. You could tell that the Bitcoiners were getting really antsy about him and really upset. They released the specs for the bit license proposal and people started reading it and everybody started freaking out and they didn't like it and they thought it was too overreaching too vaguely worded you know you didn't exactly know where he was coming from i right. think after those january hearings people thought okay this guy gets it he's one of us more or less and then the proposal came out and people were like oh my god this guy doesn't get it he's going to destroy the industry he's going to squash innovation it's going to be terrible <laughs> and you know you had jeremy allaire from circle that was the one that was interesting when he wrote an open letter and he said, look, if this goes through as proposed, we can't do business in New York. We are going to ring fence it. We're going to geofence it. It's too onerous for us. It's too stringent. Mm -hmm. I think the initial thought was that, okay, look, we understand that these guys have to do some kind of regulation. You're not going to have Bitcoin 
be integrated into the mainstream and not have the regulars have a say. That's just that's not going to happen. No, that's fantasy. So, that's fantasy. You know, if if you want Bitcoin to be off in its own unregulated crypto world, that's one thing. Right. And there are people who obviously want that. But if you don't want that, if you want the mainstream users, if you want to bring this thing, you know, tie this thing into or have it be the future of money, the regulators are going to have to have their say. And people thought, OK, what Lossky's doing is he's going to try to get rid of the real fly by night guys. He's going to try to get rid of the poorly thought out businesses, the scams, mm-hmm. the, the cons. And we know they're out there. But what it ended up looking like is that, well, this is going to be too hard for anybody to adhere to, even the big boys, even the guys that have money. And I think when Alaire came out, that was the one that got people's attention, because Alaire obviously has as much access to capital as anybody. He's got a well-funded machine, a well-built system. Yeah. If he was saying that this bit license is too stringent, I think that's when people started saying, all right, you know what, uh, Lossky's gone way, way over the line. We don't know what this guy's deal is. You know, this guy is going to kill him. But then Lossky comes out and he says, look, we'll extend the open comment period. We're not trying to squelch this. I think he really kind of acquitted himself well in terms of saying, we have a job to do and we are going to do it. But we are not looking to destroy the industry. We do want to help you guys Mm-hmm. To build something that's stable and rational and good for the citizenry of New York. So I yeah. think that whole fight has kind of been diffused a little bit. It seems that way. Yeah, it seems that way. You know, where it goes from here, I don't know. I think he really was genuinely looking at the comments, looking at what people were saying. My sense of it is that unless he is being completely disingenuous in the things he has said and done, that he really does want to engage it and have it grow within the mainstream in a way that is, you know, responsible, most advantageous Mm -hmm. and harmonious for the people. You know, I really do get a sense that he is interested in it and wants to engage the entire Bitcoin community and industry in a way that is going to make this work for the most amount of people. Again, unless he is being completely disingenuous that's my sense of him and that's what i think he's trying to do whether he achieves it or not we'll have to wait and see but i really do think that he does earnestly think that this is a valuable thing you know that wouldn't surprise me because i know from talking with other people and interviewing other people that he has a pretty good track record in terms of coming down hard on banks that are not abiding by regulations and so knowing that he's done that knowing that he actually really is doing his job which we can't say about everybody (laughs) you know no no you cannot knowing that he's really doing his job makes me think that he really is giving it a fair look you know i think a month ago or so on one of the shows i referred to him as potentially an ignoramus and you know i I got a knock on my door a couple days later no i'm just kidding (laughs) no but you know i probably shouldn't have said that there's probably a lot of things i shouldn't say but i do think that there's a very good chance that he is being genuine about his wanting to do the best thing for bitcoin and realizing the potential of bitcoin i get that sense out of him you know i have to say i do think that regulations need to be done in a, a smart intelligent way there is a part of me in the back of my head that wonders why you can't just have existing financial laws cover Bitcoin businesses that are going to operate in the financial sphere. Yeah. I just wonder if there's an easier way to go about it than having the bit license. But, you know, maybe there really isn't. In a lot of ways, it's a new and different thing. So maybe there is a good reason to have this bit license. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see on it. For me, the way I look at it is, you know, is Bitcoin legal tender? Well, you know, no, we know it's not considered legal tender by the IRS, but it seems to right. me that they should just at some point, or maybe they will, just come around and say, look, digital currencies can be legal tender. We can put them in this category. They can be traded on an exchange. They have monetary value. They can be exchanged for gold and silver. Of course, they meet current definitions of legal tender. Let's go ahead and just say that. And then, you know, certainly they would maybe have to change the definition by the tax codes of legal tender in the right. U.S. But, you know, why would that be? such a big deal let's use digital currencies let's use the u.s dollar having said that (laughs) you know the u.s dollar well i mean i think we all know there are powerful people that want to keep the u.s dollar as the reserve currency for the world or you know the universe and prop it up in any way possible so maybe what i just suggested was silly but yeah i agree with what you said a minute ago it seems like there ought to be some way for businesses to use bitcoin without going through the whole rigmarole of doing things differently than they do with credit cards or debit cards or anything like that yeah my personal feeling is that the irs got it wrong that bitcoin really is currency and they should have classified it as such 
However, having said that, I understand exactly why they didn't do it. And I don't think they will do it until you reach a point in Bitcoin. And I don't know if it's going to get to this point where it is just painfully obvious that it is a currency, where it is really becomes part of a large portion of the population's day-to-day life. They look, one of the most powerful tools any government has anywhere is the power to coin currency. Mm -hmm. They are not going to give that up. That is not just the United States, that is anywhere. And if you have the IRS, the tax regulation arm, come out and say that another currency is legal tender here in our sovereignty, that is opening a door that they are just not going to do that. They're just not going to do that. What I think actually would be much more likely Mm -hmm. would be that the United States turns the dollar into a digital currency, into its own digital currency. Sure. Basically, they take, look, Bitcoin's open source, right? Anybody can take it and make their own altcoin. Uh, The U.S. government would take the source code and make their own altcoin, which would be the U.S. dollar. I think that would happen before the U.S. government would say, yes, Bitcoin is legal tender and and we'll accept it. You can pay your taxes with it. I agree. And I've been saying that for a while. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't. Right. Now there's this big talk about Australia and the Australian tax commissioner, Chris Gordon, who says Bitcoin simply doesn't meet the current definition of legal tender. So he's saying, you know, if (laughs) if we wanted it to be legal tender, basically we're talking about a change to the definition of what legal tender means. And that means that you'd require an amendment by the tax, an amendment to the tax act there by the federal parliament. Um, And then is that even going to happen right now? They're calling it an intangible asset and we're calling it, what are we calling it? Real property? Yeah. You know, it's all kind of a semantic fudge (laughs) when you think about it. The IRS said basically the same thing. They said, it's not a, a legal tender because it doesn't meet the definition of a legal tender because it hasn't been called a legal tender by the government. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, okay, we all know it hasn't been called a legal tender by the government, but that doesn't mean it's not money. If it's being used as an exchange between two parties, you know what? It's money. Like, it can function as money. It's just that it doesn't have, you know, the stamp of approval of a government. So it's kind of a semantic hedge, really. But look, they are going to be hard pressed to admit that this is an actual currency, that this can be used in in the way that it's being used, just because it really gets to a very, very core issue of what a government does. This is going to be a really fascinating part of the Bitcoin story to keep an eye on, is that up until this point in history, it really was not technically feasible to do what they're doing. Right. The reason that the governments have always had this power of the purse is because the government was the only entity that could be trusted on a wide enough scale to maintain it. And yes, we know, look, I know that the value of my dollar has been inflated away over four decades. I know that throughout history, governments have clipped gold coins and debased the currency. I understand all that. But you still, the government was really the only entity that could on a large scale. And I know also in history, you've had... You know, you've had situations where in the United States, you didn't have a national bank and the banks issued their own currency. I understand you've had those instances, but in general, it's always been the government because the government was the only institution on a large enough scale that could do it. That's right. Well, that's changed. I mean, that has changed. Bitcoin changed that. You now have a system that can operate as a currency without having to have the backing of a government. And a lot of people can't get their minds around that. I think, I really think that's the biggest sticking point when you talk to people who are not Bitcoiners, they can't wrap their head around the idea that you could have a currency that isn't backed by a government just because it's been that way for so long. I agree. And you know what? The other day I was at the bank and I got some change and I got one of the 20s I got was the old greenback, right? Before they changed it and before they made sure. um, Jackson with a humpback and all that ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Just like what you were saying, things have changed. Kids these days, they're kids that I would say they probably rarely actually come in contact with paper bills right. because they're using their debit cards and they're using their credit cards all the time. How long is it before people aren't even using paper dollars and there's no real point in it? I mean, we're, it's not next year or the year after, but you know, we know it's going to happen at some point, right? Right. So, I mean, yes. kids are going to be walking around using their phones. Hey, Apple just came out with, or I guess they're coming out next week with their new iWallet. That's the big supposition is that that's going to be one of the big features on the new iPhone, right? Right. You are absolutely right. This is part of a changing world. And I'm the same way as you. Like, I go through my coin. I look for the coins. I keep the old ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
from the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, I hold on to them. I find them interesting. Right, and you know those dimes and quarters, 1964 or before, you know those are 90% silver. Right, yeah. If you find a 1964, anything before 1964 or before, that dime right now today is worth almost $1.50. Right. The coins that we get today, they are, they're slugs. Mm-hmm. They're slugs. I mean, they're basically all they are. They're coated slugs. They're not real currency. You know, there's one that is still, and that's the nickel. The nickels are still made out of nickel, and I'm pretty sure there's more nickel value in the nickel than five cents. Have you seen the new pennies? <laughs> you know, I've seen a bunch of new pennies. They're really, they're scary. <laughs> they're sc- they don't even look, they literally look like arcade tokens. I, I'm not they, sure they, if I've seen them. These the Lincoln oh, ones or these the they, they, well, it's the Lincoln shield? on the front. It's still Lincoln. Yeah, it's the shield on the back. The shield, yeah, yeah. They look like arcade tokens. <laughs> I mean, uh, if anybody even knows what arcade tokens, I don't even know if people have arcades anymore. <laughs> I think they still but, have arcade tokens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But they don't even look like they don't even look like legitimate currency anymore. It's a little bit frightening. You know, I've always had the theory that they're trying to make, you know, when they change the way the dollar bill looks and they change the way the 20 looks and the 10. I thought, well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to take away from me my memory of what the dollar bill and the $5 and the $10 bill look like such that I would start to care less about it in preparation for the time when there won't be any paper money. Because we know that time is coming. I mean, it's just a given, right? Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's a given. I think we're probably on the same page. I'm kind of old. It's funny. We're on the same page as much as, you know, we're talking about Bitcoin. I still prefer cash to plastic. Me too, man. I don't like using my credit cards. I don't like running them up. I don't trust the banks. You know, like I hate using my credit cards. I I really don't like it. I much prefer to use cash. That's how I was raised, and that's what I'm used to. It's smart. I mean, we're seeing more and more credit card scams. In fact, yeah, my bank just sent me a notice as far as my debit card. They said, you know, because of some credit card, debit card security breach or whatever, we're going to have to send you a new debit card. And for me, that's unfortunate because that means that some of my utilities I pay online and then also just things like Amazon and Libras where I like to order books, that has that credit card number. Now I've got to go back in and I've got to go around to all of those and I've got to change the credit card number. A little bit of a pain in the butt. But hey, you know, you wrote an article, I think, a while back, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, about Amagi Metals and on the subject of, you know, the dollar oh, yeah, the, the, the yeah, dollar no longer yeah. existing. Stephen McGaskill, I actually spoke with him a year ago, or maybe it was, gosh, it might have been two years ago when I was actually trying to order some silver from him. And I was surprised to actually be talking to, I think he's the CEO of Amagi Metals, right? So tell us about what he's proposing. Yeah, that was fun. You know, I don't know how serious he is about this. (laughs) So anyhow, they come out with this story that, and I guess I saw this somewhere else, that they're going to stop accepting U.S. dollars, I think he said by the end of 2016. Right. They're not going to accept the dollar. They'll only accept Bitcoin or maybe you know, maybe other cryptocurrencies, but right. they're not going to accept U.S. dollars. And I thought, well, that's crazy. Come on. You know, <laughs> that can't be real. So I called the guy up. Uh, I think it was a Friday, Friday in August. Who the hell is around? You know, but the guy calls me back. Yeah, yeah. I peppered him. You know, I wasn't being, you know, I wasn't being like, you know, Tom Cruise and a few good men about it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I was saying, come on, are you serious? You're really not going to take dollars? And he said, no, we're not going to. I said, come on, really? You're not going to. Somebody walks in and wants to hand you cash for gold. You're not going to accept it. But no, he said, look, I fully expect that the dollar is going to collapse and it's going to fall away and we're not going to have it. And by the end of 2016, no one's going to have cash to pay me with anyhow. And that also shows an amazing confidence in Bitcoin because I'm like a lot of other people, when the Bitcoin price is down and going down, I tend to think, hey, this thing could keep going down to zero and then be done, right? right. But when it's going up, we always think, hey, could it go to a thousand, five thousand? And there are people that project a single Bitcoin could be worth a hundred thousand oh, dollars. Right? Yeah. I mean, right. but that just shows on Stephen McGaskill's part, his complete confidence in Bitcoin, because if he's going to be selling gold and silver for only Bitcoin, man, you better really believe in that Bitcoin. Right, right. The thing I did think was interesting, whether or not he, you know, stops accepting U.S. dollars or, you know, whatever, that's not really that critical. Uh, The thing I thought was interesting was that he said 40% of his business already is done through cryptocurrencies. Oh, wow. I thought that to me, and actually I probably should have made a bigger point of that in the article, because that to me is interesting, because that's one of the few retailers I've talked to or read about that are doing substantial amount of business in Bitcoin. For most of them, it's a very small part of their business still. So, you know, that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Wow, 40% of his business. That's That's what he said. 
Man, that is substantial. That's, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think now he also accepts Litecoin, which is huge. And, and who knows down the road if he would accept any digital currencies. It could get to the point. I kind of think it's going to get to the point where there are going to be like 10 or 15 core digital currencies with Bitcoin at the top, of course. And these are the ones that people use. And there will be exchanges or sites where you can easily just liquefy from one to the other. So you continue to write the BitBeat column and you continue to write Money Beat yeah. every week. And people can... Uh, every day. Every day. Oh, is that <laughs> Every day, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And so tell our listeners, if you would, how can they find you? What's the easiest way to find the writings of Paul Vigna? Easiest way is the Wall Street Journal's Money Beat blog. You know, it's where everything I write goes. All our videos go. So that's the easiest way to follow me. Uh, you know, if you want to go to Twitter, it's at Paul Vigna on Twitter. Okay. I'm pretty active Twitterer, so... That's another place. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I mean, online, that's it. That's where I am. It's my home. <laughs> nice. And so uh, what's the weather like there today in uh, Manhattan there on Wall Street? Today, it's nice. Yeah, it's funny. Yesterday, it was ridiculously humid, and it was the first day all summer that was ridiculously humid. It's been really, it's been a very, very cool summer so far. It's a very, you know, sort of late summer, early autumn day here. It's nice. Good time of year to be here. Autumn in New York. That sounds great. Hey, Paul, thank you so much once again for being on the show. And I have no doubt that we will have you back on the show at some point and say hello to the Big Apple for me. I will. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if I'm ever in New York City again, I will definitely look you up and we'll go out and we'll have a pint of beer together. Definitely. Next time you're up in the city, we'll go out. Sounds good, man. Good talking to you. Hey, you too, Paul. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye. Autumn in New York Why does it seem so inviting Autumn in New York It spells the thrill of first nighting Glittering crowds and shimmering clouds in canyons of steel. They're making me feel I'm home. It it's autumn in New York that brings the promise of new love. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be He gave us all a protocol this world had never seen A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain. A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. Skies 
of virtuality, a promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny. A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain. A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to Everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. Give me some exposure. Everybody knows your name. Sing it. Oh, Lord, pass me some more. Oh, Lord, before I have to go. Oh, Lord, pass me some more. Oh, Lord, before I Once again, we are talking with Stephen McCaskill of Amagi Metals, and he's in Denver, Colorado. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. So what has been going on since we last talked? I think we last talked in April, is that right? Yeah, we've uh, been growing. It's uh, been quite interesting because the precious metals industry has been hurting a lot, but we've been growing. We've been adding a few new staff members, and uh, we've had a lot of positive press recently. So when you say the precious metals industry has been hurting, uh, how so? Sales are down in the industry and the price of gold and silver are down. People aren't buying as much uh, physical as they were a year or two ago. And a lot of companies are saying that they're hurting, they're really worried about the future. But I guess we've been making our way into the industry and taking some of their market share. Have you all with Amagi Metals noticed that since you've been accepting Bitcoin, that has helped your sales? Yes. So last year, yes. This year, uh, maybe not so much. Last year, when we started accepting Bitcoin, we were making a lot of infrastructure changes in our company. And we hit a certain volume where we were able to cut out uh, basically the middleman and go directly to the sources. Yeah. So Bitcoin sales definitely had an impact on our overall business last year. I guess after four months of accepting Bitcoin, we had to hire an employee directly related to our Bitcoin sales. And it also allowed us to hit a new volume level where we were able to cut out the middleman and go directly to the source. So we were able to offer better pricing across the board. And because of that, you know, we have been able to expand our business for not only Bitcoin customers, but uh, traditional payment method customers as well. I see. Okay. And now are you all accepting Litecoins? I think that's right, isn't it? Yes. Yes. We've been accepting Litecoin for some time now. Every time the Litecoin and Bitcoin price goes down, I know I'm not alone. <laughs> it just kind of breaks my heart. And I think, of course, that certainly has something to do with how many people are getting into Bitcoin, how many people are buying Bitcoin. And isn't that certainly a parallel between how many people are buying gold and how many people are buying silver? Isn't it true when the price is going up, everybody gets excited and everybody wants to buy in? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's actually, uh, I find it really interesting to notice on forums and Reddit and whatnot, people are putting up suicide hotlines, all that type of information. Money is a serious issue and lots of people have committed suicide because of huge financial losses. Yeah, that's just horrible. You know, it brings back images of the Great Depression and people jumping out of windows and all of that. You know, if anybody out there listening is considering killing themselves over money, it's not worth it. Even if you've worked your entire life, you know, for this massive amount of money and you lose everything, hey, start over again, right? Talk to your friends, talk to your family. Even if you don't have any friends and family, if you're a loner, uh, just keep working. Find something different. Find something new to move into and keep moving on. Right now, I feel like I'm on the suicide hotline. But, you know, I think that is important to say. So precious metal sales worldwide have been down. Uh, what do you see as the future in the next 
you know, six months or a year, let's say for Bitcoin and the Bitcoin price. I know you can't predict the future, but what do you think? Yeah. And just to clarify, precious metal sales have been down in the industry, but our company has been actually doing very well and in, in growing every month. So what's in store for the future? <laughs> That's the unknown. And I mean, looking first at the gold and silver market, people are really unsure what's going on. It's really bizarre that gold and silver are down, especially when we look at the stock market and we see that it's at an all-time high, even though the economy isn't growing at an all-time high pace and unemployment isn't at an all-time low. So there are clear signs of inflation. And I think that it's becoming a sickness or it's been a sickness for some time and it's just getting worse and worse. And the only way that the federal government can figure out how to solve these issues is uh, by printing more money. And that just creates a bigger sickness. And that creates a huge positive outlook for both precious metals and cryptocurrency. I don't know. It seems to me that what I read about certain commodities and gold and silver being manipulated, I can't help but believe that, you know, when they talk about how the price of wheat can double and it can have some ripple effect across the world and then it leads to, you know, let's say like the Arab Spring or something like that. You know, are these prices manipulated when we know that there are nations that have massive amounts of wheat or corn stored away, but then we have these prices going up and doubling? Is that manipulated? And, you know, then the same question about gold and silver. There's a lot of talk about gold and silver being manipulated. If that's true, who's manipulating it? Yeah, uh, people are always asking me about market manipulations and precious metals, and I honestly don't know. I don't know what happens behind closed doors. Uh, the people who would be manipulating these, the precious metals market would be bankers uh, who control tens of billions of dollars, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in assets, and uh, central bankers. And I honestly have no idea whether it's being manipulated. There's a lot of speculation. Uh, a lot of people are saying they're manipulating it down. And uh, if that's the case, then that's great for people who are buying physical precious metals because they it's a great buying opportunity you know it's the price is down so how they would manipulate it wouldn't be through the physical side it would be through the paper side right so <laughs> it really comes to signals if they're manipulating it down and it's a great buy opportunity then buy as much of the physical stuff as you can and uh when it all shakes out and people realize that there's not enough physical to back up all the paper gold and silver then the price will most likely skyrocket and you're sitting pretty because you have the legitimate physical stuff and not the paper stuff so if there is a manipulation and you're ready to buy it's in your interest to uh, buy precious metals now to buy the physical yes correct and what's the opposite of physical what are they called etfs etfs or uh derivatives people short gold and whatnot and of course they say that there's supposed to be every piece of paper of gold or silver is supposed to be backed by physical stuff but that's uh, as we've seen clearly not the case as for bitcoin i don't know if you're referring to a bitcoin manipulation if that's the case i don't know who would be doing it if i were to guess, it would be a central bank or maybe even a private investor. The purpose for manipulation could be many different reasons. They're trying to make a buy opportunity if they're attempting to push the price down. But I'm more leaning toward miners selling off a good portion of their daily income that they earn from mining. And then also, I wouldn't be surprised if some big whales are cashing out, you know, converting some of their money to purchase things. They're early adopters. They have made tens and tens of millions of dollars, if not more. And some of them, I'm sure, are eager to cash that out for nice things. And uh, I think that's great because Bitcoin adoption is still growing so much. And with that happening and the price coming down from these big whales and these miners, and I also think a lot of uh, merchants are 
cashing out their Bitcoins as well. So what we're really seeing with this price stabilizing or dropping slightly is more and more people adopting Bitcoin. And that's a great thing. That is a great thing. And, you know, as far as the miners selling off, you know, realizing some of their profit, which, you know, you can't blame them. The same for early adopters or any of the whales. I think we need some business out there that's tracking. Let's track uh, the sales of uh, small islands and the the sale of uh, Learjets and yachts. (laughs) Let's just find (laughs) it. Let's find out. Let's look at the graph. Is that following the Bitcoin graph? Have there been a lot more yachts sold in the past six months and small islands? I want to know that, man. (laughs) Yeah. And I sure wish I was a Bitcoin millionaire so that I could be doing the show from a small island. (laughs) My own small island. (laughs) It's still early in the game. We have plenty of opportunity, I think, for people around in the world to become millionaires, if not billionaires, from the uh, incredible rise of Bitcoin. I think that's true. And, you know, early on, someone said to me, diversify. So I've been, you know, I bought some Litecoins and some Dogecoins and some other. I feel like I'm pretty well diversified with a digital currency portfolio, which some people might scoff at, right? But, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, for me, I also wonder, I just thought of it today, as far as diversifying, should I be, instead of just owning a lot of different alt currencies, including Ethereum, I bought some Ether when they had the Ether sale, which I think ended just last week, but should I be investing in these companies themselves, I wonder? Should I be investing you know, in terms of stocks in these companies and thinking not just in terms of the digital currencies, but in terms of the companies themselves in the same way that I might think in terms of precious metals, something more substantial? Yeah, uh, I, I, that's absolutely. The only thing is that we don't want to end up uh, with another internet bubble where all these businesses come up with these great ideas saying, oh, you know, if we do this, then we can make X amount of money. So we just need to raise $40 million in capital. They raise $40 million in capital and they don't really have a service, a product or anything to provide anyone with. And uh, that's what we saw with the internet boom. And I think uh, we're definitely going to see that in the Bitcoin space, I think in the next five years. And part of the reason why is a lot of people who are investing in these businesses are investing dollars. And they're uh, based on low interest rates with cheap credit. These dollars are uh, being invested in poor projects because uh, it's just so easy to get loans and money uh, with cheap credit. So I definitely think that there's going to be a shakeout in Bitcoin innovating businesses. So yeah, definitely recommend if you like a business model, you like what the company has to say, you trust, you know, the services and whatnot, try investing in that Bitcoin business. But be very careful because I definitely see a potential for another internet bubble. Yeah, I do too. And you know, you look at companies like MasterCoin or Colored Coin, even Ethereum. And, you know, I really think that these tech guys know what they're talking about. The only problem is I'm not a tech guy, so I don't really know what they're talking about. I think they know what they're talking about, but I don't know what they're talking about. So I'm kind of going on faith that they know what they're talking about and that the company is going to do really well and that my ether is going to be worth a lot someday. You know, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're definitely going to have that bubble. I think that bubble is going to burst because, I mean, it's obvious there are just too many startups out there, right? I mean, there are just so many. And... There are more every Mm -hmm. week, you know, by the end of what, 2014, how many more do we think are going to be out there? That's crazy. Let's jump back to Amagi. Let's talk about the subject of you, Amagi, only accepting Bitcoin payments. I just did an interview with Paul Vigna of the Wall Street Journal, and he brought that up. He had actually written about that in his BitBeat in the Wall Street Journal, I think a week or so ago. Is Amagi at some point going to only be accepting Bitcoin or purchasing precious metals? There are a couple of caveats. We will be accepting sound money. So if something were to replace Bitcoin, we'd be more than happy to accept that. And not only that, if the dollar was backed by gold or started competing, right now the dollar is controlled by a monopoly. So it's extremely inefficient. And uh, not only that, the minority that controls it is able to print it into infinity. So by tying it to a commodity, And that commodity could either be precious metals or 
uh, cryptocurrency or you know anything by tying it to a commodity that would prevent their ability to print it and basically devalue it year after year and uh, create a sense of it being a sound currency again so if, if that happens to the dollar then we'd be more than happy to accept it but I think that the way things are going, that won't be the case. We may be losing some money by transitioning over, but I'd rather be an early adopter and make a conservative decision so that we are not left holding the dollar when the music stops. So you mentioned where it's going and the dollar collapsing. Where do you think it's going to go and what kind of time frame? I'm guessing my forecast is five to 10 years, but I think that by the end of 2016 or 2017, we'll be comfortable in the fact that companies can exist and operate very successfully without ever having to touch dollars with the exception of having to convert them to pay taxes. I think that we are heading in the direction of a domino effect. I'm hoping that it's going to be gradual in such a way that it just happens without us having some kind of financial meltdown. Like Argentina, where you go to the grocery store and there is no food on the shelves because uh, the government starts setting price controls and inflation's out of control. And so everyone goes to the store and buys all the food. You know, that's a disaster. But yeah, because that can cause riots. It can cause a lot of instability. I'm hoping that one day soon uh, we'll just wake up and go to Starbucks in the morning before work and pay uh, with our Bitcoin. And the transition just happens without us really being involved. I mean, we are, but it's changing across the world. And uh, so it's not like we'll pinpoint a specific day. Okay, this is the day that we wake up and everyone's using Bitcoin. I think it's just, or I'm hoping that it's going to be a transition like that. Man, I hope you're right. And I guess what worries me is when you look at the European Union and the situation there, and I was listening to Stefan Molyneux last night, he talks about how, from his research, the corruption there in the European Union, the money involved in the corruption is something like $100 billion that is basically being lost or being stolen because of the corruption in the European Union. And, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. I don't know if those numbers are exact, but knowing human nature and knowing how so many of these unions in the European Union were pushed through, you know, that scares me just to think in terms of the greed of humans and, you know, how much corruption can there be? We know there's just a ton of corruption in the United States, and yet, you know, we, we maintain, steadfastly maintain this sort of Disney persona, you know, as if we're, on the one hand, we're goofy, and <laughs> on the other hand, we're Mickey Mouse. You know, we're smiling and we're, <laughs> you know, overindulging in pretty much anything you can imagine in terms of goods and services and entertainment and all of that. And yet we're perfectly willing to, you know, point a finger at, you know, the Ukraine or point a finger at Russia or point a finger at any other country, you know, Argentina. Uh, Mexico and say, oh, these corrupt, corrupt governments, <laughs> you know, and yet we have this persona that we live with that tries to make our people believe and succeeds at making, I think, a great number of American people believe that we're not actually corrupt. So I think the corruption scares me as much as anything else. And, and I like to think that, yeah, if we can move over to some digital currencies and use blockchain use that technology, use mm -hmm. that public ledger, you know, in the best way possible, it might make it more difficult for those who are trying to rob from us. To oh, rob yeah, us. absolutely. Uh, in, in more than one way. I mean, the technology behind it allows us to secure our data from companies. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's huge, right? Yeah. And so you're super bullish on Bitcoin and I'm bullish on Bitcoin, too. But again, you know, I've said before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, when the price is going down, I start to doubt you know, there was a point, I go back, what, maybe a year, when Litecoins were $3. And I told myself, I've told this story before, but I told myself, okay, John, go to one of these little companies in town that you know will give you a loan. Get a loan for $3,000 and buy 1,000 Litecoins. Because you know they're going up, you can see it. And as certainly as I didn't do that, <laughs> right, they started that next week <laughs> and the next week after they started going up and they went all the way up to $40. And I thought, wow, John, you jackass, <laughs> you could have turned your three grand into 40 grand. You could have paid off that $3,000 loan within two weeks. 
you know, before you even had to make your monthly payment, right? You know, and have walked away with 37000 minus the little fees for taking out the $3,000 loan. When I think about that, that Oh, yeah. Me. I can definitely sympathize with that as well. The price is going down now. We see, you know, the Bitcoin price slipping down and the Litecoin price slipping down. And it just breaks my heart. And I think, oh, man, could the end be near for it? It's like I've completely lost faith. But then when the price starts going up again, which I think it will, we get up to five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'll be the most confident guy in the world. I'll be talking about Bitcoin to everybody and preaching how it's going to go to the moon and all that. So it's a roller coaster ride, man. You can't look at the price as the only metric. I mean, if you look at the mining network, there's over something like uh, 250 petahash now or, or something like that. It's closing in on that. And it's swinging by something like 40 petahash in a week or two. Computer miners are being turned on all over the world, securing the network, which is amazing to see. More and more users are using Bitcoin. We're almost at a transaction volume um, of what we had back in November when Bitcoin was $1,200. So there's a lot of optimism if you look outside the price. Yeah, I love that. I love everything you just said. And then, you know, I look at some of the startups or some of the companies that we've interviewed over the past couple of months. And I love the idea still of remittances. And I love the idea still of bit pace at working with m pesa and everything that andreas antonopoulos talks about in terms of the other six billion and making a change in these developing countries and letting these people have allowing these people to have something akin to a little bit of credit something akin to a little bit of financial freedom as opposed to you know like what they have right now in argentina i'm so optimistic about that and about bitcoin helping that what i do wish though is that here in the united states Yes, it's important. The other six billion in the world in the developing countries, of course, that's important. But gosh darn it, you know, as we wage these wars all over the world and as we talk about the developing countries and the need for this and that in Argentina and the problems in Ukraine and Iraq and Iran and, you know, all of the places that mm -hmm. we're meddling in, you know, what about the United States? You know, yes, it's horrible that you have some terrorists in another country who kidnapped, you know, 100 or 300 women. Of course, that's horrible stuff. But we have, what, 30 million women in this country that don't have adequate health care? You know, and that's probably a low number. Please, somebody out there, correct me if I'm low in that number. You know, when are we going to bring this thing home? That really disturbs me. Now I'm on my soapbox again. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. I uh, completely agree with you. The numbers I heard were something like 30 million Americans, but I'm not sure exactly of what number that is. Yeah, you mean that don't have adequate health care? Yeah, and that's health care, that's mental health, and that's child care. And it's just, you know, we have so many problems here that we need to start taking care of that we just really seem to be turning a blind eye to it. I don't understand that. I hope the Bitcoin community, I hope different factions of it will work to bring this back home. But, you you know, anyway, knowing that there are great companies like yours, Amagi Metals, there in Denver, selling precious metals, to me, that that's comforting. I know that might sound silly to some people listening, but I'm bullish on precious metals. And, you know, if someone said, which one would you rather have, digital currencies or precious metals? That's a tough one. You know, um, I would love <laughs> I'd love to have a lot more gold. I have a very, very small amount of gold um, and I have some silver coins. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely bullish on that gold and silver, man. I think people that aren't bullish on it, I think they probably haven't researched it enough. And I think that a lot of people who are into Bitcoin and into digital currencies, I really think it would behoove them to study precious metals and to understand how important they are historically and how important they will be in the future. Is there anything that you can say in terms of helping to educate people about precious metals? Do you have a resource you could lead my listeners to in terms of finding out more about precious metals? The biggest issue is when you're looking at this is gold has been around for over 4,000 years as a store of wealth. It's applied in industry, it's applied in jewelry, it's a commodity, and people have seen it as money for a very long time. I think that that is ending soon. Uh, cryptocurrency is going to replace precious metals as money, but I think that precious metals will always be a store of wealth. And I think for early adopters in cryptocurrency that it's imperative 
to maintain something that has value that may not disappear. Gold and silver have that track record. So I definitely recommend to at least store some wealth in precious metals, especially as a cryptocurrency holder. You may see precious metals as more of a very long-term investment, whereas cryptocurrency may be your day-to-day spending, uh, some savings, and of course, waiting for its adoption to reach critical mass. As for resources, one I really recommend is GATA, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, and that's G-A-T-A dot org. But we also have a lot of resources. We have a knowledge center. We have a blog. We go through a lot of history of precious metals on our website, amagimetals.com. That's A-M-A-G-I. And we have charts, everything from charts to articles to history lessons on our website. And you can either find it through our knowledge center in the footer or through our blog. All right. Hey, that is great information. Now tell me that GATA one more time. Is that G-A-T-A dot org? Correct. Okay, great. I will put that in the uh, show notes for sure. And Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show again. This was just great. Stephen, I'm going to vow that for my birthday coming up October 15th, thank you uh, for the gifts in advance, everyone, (laughs) (laughs) that I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to buy some more uh, silver coins. I can't afford to buy gold coins right now, unfortunately. I'm going to buy some more silver coins from Amagi Metals. And do you all have any novelty items that I might be interested in? Do you guys have any of those silver bullets coming up for Halloween by any chance? Ah, yes. We should in the next uh, two weeks. And then we actually have some Jekyll Island silver rounds. If you are interested in the history of central banking or the Federal Reserve. And then uh, I think we're going to be offering a cryptocurrency silver round pretty soon, but I don't have a time frame on that. And actually, uh, you're the first person outside our company to know that. Hey, nice. That is really exciting. A cryptocurrency silver coin. Okay. So So I am definitely going to, I bought a silver bullet for my dad last year and one for my brother. I'm definitely going to get some more silver bullets in time for Halloween because, you know, if you have silver bullets, that will stop what? Werewolves and vampires, I think. Oh, yeah. Werewolves anyway. Definitely Mm -hmm. werewolves. Absolutely. And Stephen, those silver bullets, those are one ounce Uh, Yeah, one troy ounce of fine silver, so 999 fine silver. So we only offer one ounce on our website, but they're actually much larger sizes, all the way up to, I think, 10 or 20 ounces. And we may be offering those down the road, too. Oh, you mean in terms of like larger caliber bullets? Yeah, so they're larger caliber with larger weights. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, we're going to do this again, I don't know, three, four, five, six months. We'll have you on the show again, and good luck with everything there at Amagi, and thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to speaking with you again. All right, great. Hey, thanks a lot, Stephen. We'll talk soon. Yes, I hope so. All right, bye-bye. Bitcoins and Gravy is made possible by the Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance, the first state-focused nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting blockchain technologies for a free and equitable society. To learn more about the Tennessee Bitcoin Alliance, visit TennesseeBitcoin.org. like to thank my guests on the show today, Paul Vigna, journalist extraordinaire for the Wall Street Journal, and Stephen McCaskill of Amagi Metals. AmagiMetals.com, your one-stop shop on the internet for purchasing gold or silver using your bitcoins or litecoins, the new preferred currencies for making purchases online. To find out more about my guests and sponsors, check out the show notes on the Let's Talk Bitcoin page or SoundCloud or on bitcoinsandgravy.com slash episode 32. Thanks for tuning into the show. And if you really do like the show and you aren't just faking it, please tell your friends about it or send them a link to the show. And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call Bitcoins and Gravy at 615-208-5198 and leave a message with your comments, questions, or complaints. This is your chance to give me a piece of your mind and tell me what you 
really think about the show. And if you give me permission, I'll put your call-in comments on the show. So give me a call at 615-208-5198. And of course, I offer a number of ways for you to download all of the past podcasts. You can go to letstalkbitcoin.com or directly from SoundCloud, or you can go to the website, which of course is bitcoinsandgravy.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review on SoundCloud. And remember, it's your reviews and comments that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great podcasts, articles, and links that can be found on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. I also thank you for your generous donations in Bitcoin or Litecoin that help me keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell. Say goodbye, Maxwell. Y'all be good to each other out there now, you hear? And remember, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. Thanks for listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee. Not worry, rest assured, I have not forgotten your magic word, and today the magic word is end.